morning. Everybody say this with me. I am salt. I am light. I am the example. The title of this morning's message is Example. We are in a series of X2, and we've gone through seven weeks right now, starting our seventh week of different words that start with EX. So we just say X as we're finding out the, the core values for this year and the standards for this year that God's given us as a church. We started out with we are a church that's going to operate in excellence. No longer is good enough good enough. We're going to raise the bar, and we're going to operate in excellence. We are going to excel. We're going to go beyond whatever we thought we could do. We're going to operate in faith, not just knowledge and logic. We're going to operate extravagantly. We're going to go way beyond the norm. We're going to be so different than we've ever been before. We're going to watch how God's anointing changes the world. We're going to be exceptional. We will not be average in any aspect. We will exceed. We will go beyond other people's expectations. And today we're going to talk about being an example. An example. We want to be a church that other churches look to and say, what in the world does God got going on out there in the middle of nowhere? And everybody's going there to see the movement of God taking place. If that's going to be the case, we've got to understand Matthew chapter number 5, verses 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17, where it starts out and says, you are the salt of the earth. It goes on to say, you are the light of the world. And then Jesus ends that part and says, I did not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but I have come to fulfill them. And if we're going to understand that this morning, it is going to make us an example right here in this northeast Texas region. And I want to encourage you to with this uh, phrase right quick. Live in such a way that other people want to follow you. Live in such a way that other people want to follow you. The fact of the matter is you are a leader and you are an influencer and some of you didn't even know it. The issue is everybody, if you're in the body of Christ, if you live in this world saved or lost even, you are an influencer of some way, shape or form because you have an influence on the people around you. Now the issue with that is many of us are not putting out positive influences, we're putting out negative influences. Such as the influence of if, if you um, have the habit of talking about things that maybe you shouldn't talk about. The key word there is gossip. Well, you're an influencer because you're influencing someone else's thinking by what you're saying or doing. So you're an influencer. And in this life, understand that you have an influence on other people. So I want to challenge you with this. Be a leader that other people want to follow. Be the type of person that other, that other people want to look up to. And listen, it is not hard to be a leader, but it is time we become a leader worth following. It's not hard to be a leader because everybody's already a leader. People follow you and you don't even know it. People know you by your characteristics more than your name. Such as if you live, in, if, if, you live if you work in an office with several other people, when they describe you, they say, oh, that's so-and-so. This is who they are. Or that's, um, well, we'll just pick on some people. Hey, that's Cody. He's the quiet one over in the corner. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, not really. So, you know, I'm making examples. On this, people don't just know you by name. They know you by your leadership characteristics. And so, oh, that's so-and-so. She's the one in church who talks too much. <laughs> right? Oh, that's so-and-so. He's the one in church that's always praying for people, and he's a great man, and he's godly. You're a leader, and you don't even know it. So it's time that we as the body of Christ be an example and be a leader worth following. And if we're going to be a leader worth following, we've got to begin to understand what Jesus is talking about. Now, in the Sermon on the Mount that we've been studying through this whole course of Scripture, it, it, it's an amazing 
format that Jesus lays out in the Sermon on the Mount. He starts with all the blessed. Blessed are you in, blessed are you in, blessed are you in, blessed are you in. And, and that is no doubt in my mind the greatest attention getter ever when Jesus starts talking. And if you want to get somebody's attention, just start blessing them. Right? When you're in Walmart, why don't you just, when, when, the, when the cashier's checking you out and you know she's having a bad day, bless her, pray for her. I mean, you want to get somebody's attention, be the example. Start setting yourself apart. Pray for them. When, when your waitress is horrible, and, and I got a great story from yesterday morning. You know, I, I left the hospital for the plan of about 10 minutes to run. We had a quick bite to eat. So I found this little diner around the corner, and, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be great. 45 minutes later, when I hadn't had my second cup of coffee yet, and, and, and I had to get back to the hospital, I was sitting here thinking, hmm, be a leader worth following. How can I do something different? And when everybody else was giving this waitress a hard time, and she walked up with my second cup of coffee when I needed about four at that time, I just looked at her and smiled, and I said, hey, it's going to be okay. You're all right. I'm praying for you today. I have a blessed day. And she stopped and looked. I got the best service for the rest of the morning, y'all. I ain't even playing. I mean, it's amazing what blessing somebody will do. It's amazing what blessing people does to your life. And so as, as you begin to bless people, Jesus started out blessing and he said, blessed, blessed, blessed. He did it nine times and he began to bless the people of Israel. No doubt it was the greatest attention getter ever. But then he throws something in there in verse 13 that just completely throws everything off. He says, you're the salt of the earth. Jesus, where are you going? <laughs> where are you going with this? Because this is the weirdest part of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world. And then he says, I didn't come to fulfill the law, or, or to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. Then he goes into the, all the law, which all makes sense, because they're the Jewish people. But what did Jesus mean when he began to start out saying, you are the salt of the earth? Now, we in the Western culture, in the Western-style church, we said, oh, we know what we use salt for. Salt's a good preservative, salt's a good to add flavor. And so we've created messages that say, oh, you need to be the salt. You need to be salty in your world. And all those things are great analogies and don't get me wrong I love them but as we talked about last week there's got to be more to the scripture than just that there's got to be more to what Jesus was saying than just be flavorful <laughs> right I mean some of y'all need to get flavor don't don't get me wrong I mean get a little spice in your life too not just some salt get some pepper too but there's got to be more than Jesus is talking about than just be flavorful in the world what is Jesus actually talking about? He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how will its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled under people's feet. Why salt? Salt is this. It is a reminder of the covenant of God. This is what salt is used for in the Jewish culture. It, is what, it was a reminder of the covenant that the Jewish people had with God. So everybody say, I am salty. Now act like you're salty. Y'all are like, I'm salty. I didn't say you're dill. I said you're salty. So I say, I am salty. And this is what it means. Salt was used as a sign to represent God's covenant. In Leviticus 2.13, it says, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. Numbers 18, 19, it says, All the holy contributions that the people of Israel present to the Lord, I give to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as a perpetual due. It is, it is the covenant of salt 
before the Lord your God for you and for all your offspring with you. Now listen, when Jesus began to say, you are salt, he blessed them, he got their attention, and then he began, he dropped the bomb. He dropped the bomb. He got all the people gathered around. He's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are you, blessed are you. And all the people, no doubt, are cheering him, say, yes, we believe in you, Jesus. We believe what you're saying. And then he said, he's like, you're salt. With, after he had their attention, he dropped the bomb and said, you are people of the covenant of God Almighty. That's exactly what he said. When he said, you are the salt of the earth, he said, you are the people in covenant with God Almighty. You are in covenant with Elohim. You are in covenant with Adonai. You are in covenant with the creator of the earth. Why are you living in such a state of being like you're living in? That's what he said. So he dropped the bomb. He blessed them. He got their attention. He said, now that I've got your attention, why are you not living in the covenant? that God created with Abraham years ago, that you are to be a blessing to every nation on this earth. And so when he had their attention, he began to remind them of the covenant that they were in with God Almighty. All the greats of the Old Testament had covenant reminders. Remember when Gideon was called, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and Gideon, he said, Gideon, you are not just Gideon, but you are a mighty warrior. If you remember Gideon, Gideon was, Gideon was threshing wheat in the grape parlor he was hiding he was running in fear and God came to him and said listen I'm reminding you who you are in covenant with David I love the story of David and Goliath and David walks up and he says listen I've killed the lion and I've killed the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them he was reminded he was in covenant with something greater than a giant he was in covenant with a giant killer so when Jesus began to declare in the Sermon on the Mount, at the very beginning, he get everybody's attention and says, Jeff, do you remember you're in covenant with God? Remember, you are salt. This is the covenant. And Joshua, when Joshua was about to lead the people into the promised land of God, God specifically said, do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget your salt. Do not forget the covenant. And I want to tell you this morning, God is telling us as the body of Christ to here and today in 2014, do not forget the covenant that you're in. Do not forget that there is still power in the blood of Jesus. Do not forget there is still power in the name of Jesus. Do not forget that you are in covenant with the God of all mankind. There is nothing too hard for him. Do not forget this morning you are in covenant with the God who said all things are possible if you'll just believe. You are in covenant this morning. And I pray this week you'll ask God, God, give me reminders of my covenant. Give me reminders of the covenant that I am in with you. Give me reminders that remind me that I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. Because listen, the people of God were not out of covenant with God. They weren't out of the covenant, Heath. They weren't out of it. They were, they were just not exercising their authority in it. Listen, if you're born again... You're not out of covenant with God Almighty, but you can be not out of it, but not exercising your authority in it. And we have a lot of believers who get saved and get into covenant, but never use the authority of the covenant of God in their life. If you are having marriage trouble, remember the covenant of God in your life. If you are having trouble with your kids, remember the covenant of God in your life. If you're having trouble at your workplace, remember the covenant of God in your life. Young people, if you're having trouble in school and you got people coming against you, remember you're in covenant with God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth.
And it's time for the body of Christ that when they read, you are the salt of the earth, it doesn't mean just be flavorful. It means remember the covenant of God that you're in. And when you remember the covenant, baby, you're going to have more flavor than you ever realized. And you're going to be walking in power that you never thought you could walk in. So Jesus, when he starts out this whole discourse of the Sermon on the Mount, he has to start it out in a way to get their attention. And once he got their attention, he reminded them who they were in Christ Jesus. They reminded him who they were with the covenant of Abraham. What were some of the terms of the covenant of Abraham? Any of those who bless you, I will bless. Any of those who curse you, I will curse. What is some of the covenant of Abraham? You will be a blessing to every nation on the earth. What is some of the covenant of Abraham? He begins to tell them who they were. What he was going to do, I'll make you as numerous as the sand on the seashore. What's your covenant? You've got to know this this morning, that your covenant entails so much more just going to heaven after you die. We in the church in the United States of America, we are so bent on just making sure we don't go to hell. We forfeit all the benefits of heaven while we're here. And I'm not forfeiting the benefits of heaven while I'm here because I don't go into covenant with God when I die. I went into covenant of God when I submitted my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I trusted in that shed blood on the cross of Calvary and how God raised him from the dead in newness of life so that I can live and have life in abundance to the full till it overflows. I'm in the covenant with God. And listen, when you start walking in the covenant of God, God's going to break forth in your life like you've never experienced before. And if you're ever struggling with some area of your life, whether it be small, like last week we talked about, we're going to sweat the small stuff because many times it's a lot of small things that end up being a big problem. If you even got something small, the covenant of God addresses it. It's got your answer for it. No longer do we as the body of Christ settle for just being flavorful? We as the body of Christ, we will be the example in this region. We will be salt. We are salt. We are in covenant with God Almighty. So everybody say, I am salt. I am salt. As I finish this per first point, remember this. It talked about every time you give an offering, there must be salt with it. Remember, Jesus was the true sacrificial offering. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Bible said he began to sweat and drops of blood began to come. You know when you sweat, you get covered in what? Salt. The offering of Jesus Christ was not presented to God without salt. In fact, he was covered in salt before he ever took his first step on the road of crucifixion. He was covered in salt because of the sweat that poured out from him. He was covered in salt. And so when he began to go down the road, he fulfilled the covenant of God and the offering that had to be presented before God because it must be presented with salt. Ooh, I'm telling you, if y'all don't get excited about that, you, you just, man, that's good stuff. So Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, the offering of God, he was covered in salt as he went. So this morning, I'm fixing to stop preaching and be dead silent for 10 seconds. Remember the covenant that you're in. Remember the promises of God for the covenant that you're in. And so I'm going to be quiet for 10 seconds, and I just want you to remember the covenant. Go. Nine, ten. God, we remember the covenant of Jesus Christ. Jesus declared, you are salt. And so, God, as we remember the covenant, we thank you. It's more than an acknowledgement. We thank you that it is faith exuding from us because we are salt. We are the covenant of God 
and the example of the covenant of God right here on this earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everybody say, I am light. Jesus just didn't say, you're salt. He said, you're salt. You're in covenant. Then he goes on to say, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. See, unless you know that you're in covenant with God, you are going to be powerless to be a light in a lost and dying world. So Jesus had to remind them of the covenant that they were in with God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And once he reminded them of the covenant, there is no doubt that light bulbs begin to go off in everybody's head that was gathered on his feet at the Sermon on the Mount. And when the light bulbs began to go off and people began to get um, instantaneous revelation knowledge from God Almighty that they are in covenant with somebody greater than the Roman Empire that was ruling over them. They are in covenant with someone more powerful Lights began to go off, and then he declared, you are not just salt, but you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Now, if I had a big lamp up here that was like this tall, and you have to turn it on, what is the first thing you got to do if you're going to make sure that that lamp comes on? you got to plug it in. You have got to plug in the lamp if you're going to shine. Listen, if you do not plug in to God and his covenant, you will never shine like you were dedicated to shine. You will never exude the light that you are supposed to exude and show out. So the first thing you have to do as a believer is you got to plug back into this covenant. I mean, and this is not something that you say, oh, God, just, just plug me back in. No, no, no. God did his part. He supplied the outlet and he made you the cord. He's got it covered on both ends. He's saying it's time for you to do something by faith and plug it in. Listen, God's not going to plug you in. you got to plug it in. You've got to say, God, I am making a conscious decision to plug in this morning. I'm not just plugging into a church. I am plugging into the kingdom. I am plugging into your word. And when I plug into this covenant, oh, Lord Jesus, all i got to do is flip a switch now. Now, come on. Some of y'all have been waiting. God, I just, and, and some people even pray like this. Oh, God, just flip a switch and make it happen. I've heard that prayer before. That's a great prayer in theory, but until you plug in, there is no flip, flip switching that's going to make any effect. People are trying to turn a light on that doesn't have it plugged into a power source. He said, you are the light of the world. To be the light of the world, you have to remember you got to be plugged into the covenant with God. That's why he said, you are salt, and now it's time to be the light. Because when you plug into the covenant... There's no, no way in this earth you can live the same. You will be the example. You will be different in your workplace when you begin to plug in. When you begin to plug into the word of God and plug into prayer and plug into true worship, your actions are going to change. You're going to become different. I remember when I first plugged into the covenant of God. I, and, and I gave my life back to God and I said, God, it's time that I, I know better than this. I've been out of church for a couple years. I know better. So I said, God, I'm going to plug back in. And I walked in to work that night because I was still working nights at Brookshire's at the time. And I walked in that night, and I told everybody on that crew that was working with me, I said, you have heard me cuss for the last time. Yeah, I didn't have a good mouth back in the day. I mean, it is. Mama would have heard what I said. There would have been a bar of soap in the bathroom all scrubbing all up on them teeth. It would have washed it out. <laughs> and so I said, you've heard me cuss for the last time. And they all laughed and said, yeah, whatever. And you know people on a night crew, they're going to try and make you cuss. I mean, that's just how it works. Y'all, night people, there ain't nothing like working night shift, y'all. If you ain't ever worked night shift, you just don't know. You just don't know. And so the next morning, the, the office cashier came in, and I worked with her for about 45 minutes and get, helped her get stuff set up. She looked at me about 30 minutes into it and said, you know, I hadn't heard you cuss one time this morning. And I said, yeah, that's right. I'm done cussing. She's like, she laughed and said, yeah, right. And about three weeks later, she said, you know, you really have changed. There really is something different. There's something different. What is different? I just said, I've got back in covenant with God. 
I started accessing my authority in the covenant of God, and my actions began to change who I was. But once you plug it in, you got to turn it on. You've got to consciously turn on the light of God in your life. There are times in your life when you will not feel like shining bright. The other morning at the restaurant, I didn't feel like shining bright. I want to say, woman, do you know where my daddy is right now? Do you know what I've been through? I've had 10 hours of sleep in the past 48 hours. <laughs> do you know what's going on? Dude, I, I just wanted to be flat darkness. <laughs> and, and I'm not saying that to, to, for any reason but this. It's a conscious effort that when you're plugged in, you still got to flip a switch. There are times when you don't feel like standing in faith. Flip a switch. There are times when the Bible says when you've done all you can do to stand, flip a switch and keep standing. When you've done everything in your power, flip a switch and let the power of God begin to move. But you've got to consciously flip the switch and turn the light on because it's your decision to let the light of God shine in your life. So once you plug in, you've got to flip a switch. And when you flip that switch on, don't turn it off. Because here's the thing, you've got enough people in the world trying to turn your switch off. You got enough problems at your workplace to turn your switch off. You don't need to worry about it getting turned off. There's plenty of people trying to come by and turn it off for you. Only time in the world people concerned about conservative electricity is trying to shut you down. <laughs> They're trying to turn your switch off. Don't let the world turn your switch off. Listen, when times seem the darkest, that's when light shines the brightest. When times seem the worst, that's when your switch stays on. People are going to say, how are they standing when I couldn't be standing? How are they doing when, like this when nobody else can do it like this? We want to be that church that walks around with people plugged in, with uh, switches flipped on, and they stay on. Even in the darkest, trialsome moments, our switches are on, and we shine bright. The last thing about it is you plug in, you turn the switch on, and then you let it shine. See, once it's on, you don't have to make it shine. That's something you don't have to do, but you've got to let it shine. You've got to let it, because the Bible says no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a bowl. No, they put it out on the table for everyone to see, and it gives light to the whole house. So you don't have to make it shine once you turn the switch on, but you've got to let it shine once you turn the switch on. And when you begin to let it shine once the switch is on, that's when the world begins to know and recognize the covenant of God that you're in. And the, the purpose of Jesus' whole discourse of the Sermon on the Mount is saying to the people, the Jewish people gathered around him, is you are in covenant with God Almighty, and it is your job to do one thing, and that is to let the covenant of God Almighty be shown into all the earth. Our job as believers is this. We are in covenant with God Almighty through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and it is our one job in this earth to do one thing, and that is to let the light of God shine like never before. Be the example. When times are trialsome, be the example. Listen, anybody can shine when it's good. Anybody can shine bright when, the, when things are great. It's how are you shining when things aren't so great. How are you living and exalting God when things aren't so great? I referenced the situation that our family's going through at the beginning of the message, and, and I got to talking with Sherry, and um, last year about this time, she was in the hospital going through surgery, and I'm like, what is it with you and Dad before I got a big conference coming in? Y'all want to go get put in a hospital and, and trying to throw stuff off? And it's a joke that we made, and, and, and Dad even laughed about it when, when, he, when, he, when he heard it. But the thing is, the devil's trying to turn some switches off. So what are we going to do as a church? We're going to shine brighter. We're going to shine farther this year. We hadn't forgotten shine brighter, shine farther. This is the year of shining farther. This is the year of passionately proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to this region and around this globe like never before. And if we're going times two, who cares if the battles increase times two? 
Our God's still greater. We're in covenant. We're staying plugged in. So I'm not concerned about battles. I'm concerned that God's getting victories. So we're just going to keep shining and let the light shine. So you must remember your covenant. You must stay plugged into it because he called you light. When you're plugged in, you got to turn the switch on. And when the switch is on, you just step back, baby, and let it shine like never before. But now Jesus ends this part of the Sermon on the Mount very peculiar. He ends it very peculiar. He got their attention with the blessing. He began to declare who they were in the covenant. He began to do, say what they were supposed to do in the covenant. But listen to what he says after this. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Jesus was declaring, you are going to be the, T-H-E-E, example to the world. And he began to declare these things. And why did he say that, that, why did he begin to bring up the law and the prophets? He brought up the law and the prophets because Jesus stated that the true power that made the prophets who they were, that made the nation of Israel great back in the time of King David, which was, which was operating under the law. The true power of that is in the covenant of God Almighty. So when he began to say, I did not come to abolish the law, and I did not come to abolish what the prophets did. In fact, I'm going to show you where the power of the law and the prophets came from. And when I show you where the power of the law and the prophets came from, I'm going to show you the true meaning of the power of the prophets, and I'm going to show you the true meaning of the power of the law. And then he goes on to explain everything else. He goes on to say, we're going to laugh differently. We're going to love differently. We're going to live differently. We're going to leave differently. And this is how we do it. So he began to rise up the standard. And that's what the whole Sermon on the Mount is about. That's what the next two and a half chapters are about. It is about Jesus refreshing who they were and saying, I'm not going to take away all this stuff, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you the true meaning of everything that's going on. Were the people of God at that time out of the covenant? No, but they were not accessing their authority in the covenant. When you do not access your authority in the covenant of God, you will find yourself in bondage to things that Jesus has already paid the victory price for. When you do not access the covenant of God, you will find yourself tied to things that you should be set free from. I love the story of Paul and Silas when they were worshiping and praising God. And the Bible says about midnight, suddenly cell gates were wide open and everybody went free. I mean, now think of this. Everybody went free. But here's what we got. We got believers that are worshiping God and cell gates are wide open. So why are you still sitting in a prison with the door wide open? Why are you still sitting in a prison that the shackles have already came off of you? Why are you still sitting in a prison and not accessing your covenant rights? Jesus said this. He brought captivity captive. What does that mean? He brought the bondages that keep you held down. He took charge of them and took them away. He brought the things that keep you captive, held back in bondage, not doing what God's called you to do. He brought them captive and he took care of it. And so if you're sitting in jail this morning in bondage somewhere, it's because the gate's wide open and the shackles are off and you're choosing to stay there because you have not accessed your authority in the covenant. When you begin to access your authority in the covenant, your life will change. Your life will be different like never before. Jesus had one purpose in these four verses of scripture. He wanted to remind them of who they were as children of God Almighty. I have one purpose in this message this morning is to remind you the purpose of why you're here and that you are children of God Almighty and in covenant with God Almighty. This is why we can sing songs, Our God is Greater, because He is our God. 
This is why we can sing songs. Nothing is impossible to him because there is nothing impossible for our God. This is why we can worship in faith the way we worship. This is why we can stand and praise in the midst of a trial. It's not because we're so good, but it's because we know who we're plugging covenant with and watch God bring about great victories in our life. 